When my dad first told me this story as a kid, it really gave me the chills. And since I stumbled upon this sub, I might as well share it. I still remember every detail. Before going into the details, I'll give some context to set the setting and background of the incident. Bear with me, they totally add up to scary elements to the story. Back in 1985, my 19-year-old dad was serving in the Greek Army Special Forces in the Paratrooper Division. Army service in Greece is mandatory for every male that's reached their 18th birthday, and so everyone has to go. Military camps where each company is stationed at are mostly positioned in the countryside, and usually there isn't much going on near and around the camp. They're fairly secluded. The closest town to my pop's camp was three kilometers away. One night while serving, it was my dad's turn to go on guard duty in the camp he was posted in. Every night, five to six soldiers were selected for guard duty, and they slept in the same barracks. Half an hour before it was time for the previous guards to be relieved, another soldier would come in the room, wake up the new batch so they could get ready, and then go to their positions. Each shift was two hours. The 12 to 6 a.m. shifts were the worst, according to my pops. It gets extremely cold in the winter, and you're half asleep standing beside your booth, freezing your butt off while keeping watch. The only way to be vigilant and keep warm is for you to take a few steps up and down. So it was 2 a.m., and my dad was standing next to his booth with his rifle. Absolute silence. He could only hear the wind. He mentioned that the moon was helpful with visibility, but there's so much that you can't make out at night, even with the moon apart from dark shadows, especially at longer distances. There were some tree lines far away, but there wasn't much vegetation around the camp at all. It was more like a clearing. Everything's going well like every other night, until a tall, dark mass appears from the path coming out of the tree line and it's headed right towards my father's booth. My dad's heart stops pumping when he spots it, and he says he's scared shitless at this point. The mass moves slow but steady, and is closing the distance, almost like floating with big, slow steps. My dad does what he's instructed to do, and what every guard does in a situation like this. Raises his rifle, aims and screams. Halt! Identify yourself! No reply. The shadow continues to approach. Second time. Halt! Identify yourself! Again. Nothing. He told me that at this point he was certain that he sees a ghost in real life. He says that he then thought to himself, Let's see if a ghost can die. Before he engages, he has to scream a code word that raises the alarm. The way that works is the next guard on the next booth that is hundreds of meters away will hear the scream, then screams himself, and with a chain reaction like that, the alarm goes from booth to booth and reaches the patrol. Now, the patrol is an officer with five soldiers that make the rounds between booths every night, and they make sure everything's okay with the guards. If you're caught sleeping or you're away from your post by these guys, rest in peace. They're also the ones to investigate an alarm. The only problem is the patrol might take a while to get to the booth that raised the alarm, as they don't know which one it is, and they might be far from the right one. 
They run double time through every booth until they finally locate the original source of alarm. My dad hears the other guy screaming and he knows the alarm is raised. He knows that the patrol is going to be there in a few minutes. He also knows that the penalty for falsely raising the alarm is prison. Prison means a soldier gets X amount of days added to their service. The service back then was two years plus prison days that have been added to a soldier along the way from penalties. They don't actually lock you up in a cell unless you commit an actual crime. Then the military police comes in. But he doesn't have minutes. The eerie figure is 50 meters away and closing. He gets ready to fire. Then he hears, Relax. And he says my dad's last name. It's me. Another soldier covered in a black blanket that my dad knew was trying to sneak back into the camp that night after having fun in the nearest town without permission. He was holding a bottle of liquor too and was fairly drunk. My dad let him through, but he knew he was about to get a serious amount of prison time for falsely raising the alarm once the patrol figured out it was his booth that the alarm was raised from. The patrol gets there. My dad doesn't snitch on the drunk guy. The officer then tells them they'll see each other in the next morning. It's the next day in line where the penalties are being announced by the officers and my dad's waiting to hear his name called, but they never even mention him. Even though an alarm raise is extremely rare to happen, nobody tells him anything. Turns out the patrol officer and the ghost were buddies. The guy sneaking in told the lieutenant what happened and did not mention my dad. The officer apparently pulled some strings and the whole incident was like it never even happened. So yeah, there was a happy end after all. This happened a couple of years back when I was around 14 to 15 years old. There was a mostly abandoned peninsula in our town that I often visited with my dog when I was younger. I even got lost a couple of times and had to swim across parts of the river to get back home. It was always deserted and you could walk for hours without running into anyone. My mom was always very against me going there. But of course I thought I knew better and I went anyway even though she specifically forbade me. One time I decided to go with one of my girlfriends from school and her two little dogs. It was empty as usual and we went to the store so that we could play with the dogs in the river. As we started playing, we noticed an older man maybe in his mid-fifties that was walking nearby behind the trees. He stopped pretty close and had just stared at us for a couple of minutes with an expressionless face without even saying a word. At this point, we started to feel a little uncomfortable. Then we noticed that he started taking off his clothes. The whole situation was really off-putting since the whole peninsula was pretty much fully abandoned and he could have easily chose any other location to bathe. We should probably have left at this point, but we were really having fun with the dogs and we weren't quite ready to go home yet. We decided to leave the beach to go a bit further to find another location where we could be alone. As we were leaving, I looked back and I saw the man staring at us in the same unsettling way. I couldn't see that well, but at this point I could see that he was fully naked. He didn't follow us though, and I just convinced myself that he was probably just some innocent nudist. 
We walked for maybe five or ten more minutes until we found a new area to go into the water. We waited a bit, and there was no sign of the man, so we started playing with the dogs yet again in the water. We spent maybe an hour or so there, and to be honest, I had completely forgotten all about the guy at this point. Then suddenly my friend walks up to me with a pale face and then says, We need to leave right now. Don't turn around. And of course I turn around, and there he was. The same man standing right behind us fully naked, masturbating while watching us with the same creepy expressionless face. We got the dogs and then walked away as fast as we could. We have no idea how long he was there lurking in the bushes and just watching us. Needless to say, I never went back there alone after that. Many years have passed and I've heard multiple stories of creepy encounters from different people in that peninsula. It's scary to think what could have happened one day when I was just wandering there all alone. The peninsula was mostly covered with a dense forest and it could have taken very little effort for a grown-ass man to drag me into the bushes. I'm so glad that didn't happen. My parents had purchased a condo about 10 minutes away from their home around the time my older brother was born, with the intention that my siblings and I have the option of renting it when we would come of age. I moved in alongside my brother a few weeks after my 18th birthday, exhilarated by the freedom from our childhood home, which had become plagued with traumatic memories over the years. The move took two or three days, and we had a U-Haul coming in and out of the driveway during that time. My first day of college occurred a few days later. I had a full schedule three days a week with my last class getting out at 6 p.m., which I would later regret. The city I live in is notorious for heavy traffic, and I wouldn't get home until roughly an hour and a half later, despite the university being less than 15 miles away. The sun was mostly down by the time I turned into my street, and there were a few people, some accompanied, and one alone taking their evening strolls. There wasn't really anything remarkable about it. The driveway was occupied, so I parked on the street, and I made my way home. The following day, I got off my closing shift at 9 p.m. It was pretty dark by the time I got home, and there was a man walking on the strip of the sidewalk that faces the condo. I wouldn't have noticed that he was the lone man from the evening before if it wasn't for him wearing the same outfit. A bright yellow hoodie, black nylon track pants with white pinstripes, gray Nike trainers, and a tan baseball cap. As I got out of my car, we shared a quick glance and continued on our ways. Two days later, I got off my closing shift and I had picked up my boyfriend for a date. We went back to the condo so that I could change, and in the dark, I saw that same man again, wearing the same outfit and on the same strip of sidewalk. It's him again! I sounded more surprised than sussed out, and my boyfriend was confused. I explained that I had been seeing him walking around and that he was always wearing the same thing. We got out of the car and just stared at him. Our bodies turned toward him, and he had ducked behind a car. Now properly sussed out, we got back in my car and we watched him get into his and then drive away with his lights off. It was too dark and he was too far away for us to catch a license plate. 
At this point, I wasn't even sure if this man even lived in the neighborhood. We went about our night, and I drove my boyfriend back off at his parents' house. He told me to call him and or the police if I happened to see that same man yet again, and I agreed. I got home around midnight. The man was a street away from his usual spot, crouching below a tree and hugging his knees under his chin. I drove past him and I noticed a different man in a blue flannel and jeans approaching a streetlight. He got under the illuminating glow and pulled his phone out, attempting to make a phone call. I was honestly unsure if the two men had any association with each other until I looked back over at the yellow hoodie man. He was no longer under the tree. He was also under the streetlight, just a few meters away from the tree. His bag turned to me, but it appeared as though he was taking a call. As I looked back and forth between the two men, it became pretty obvious that they were communicating with each other. I then drove away and called the police. They told me to stay where I was or go to another safe location and that they would contact me when the matter was taken care of. I dozed off and I was awoken maybe an hour or so later by the promised phone call. I was told that neither of the two men were residents of the area and they were simply told not to come back on reports of suspicious activity. After being advised to call again if they came back, I went home. I was tired enough that I had no trouble sleeping for quite a while. Right at around 4 a.m., I was sharply roused by the metal screen door rattling against its frame. The force slowly grew in intensity, and eventually, the walls and floor were now quaking. I peeked through the blinds of my second-story window which overlooks the front door, and of course, I saw the man in the yellow hoodie aggressively attempting to open the screen door. I was shaking in my boots on my mattress, which was still on the floor, as I hadn't yet purchased a bed frame. I received a phone call from my equally bewildered brother who was in his room. I told him to call my dad while I called the police. It has now been almost four years, and I can assure you that all of my street smarts have markedly improved. So for context... I grew up in the suburbs, and outside of the occasional play park or sports field, there was really nothing to do. Me and my neighbors used to play knock and run, or its other name, Ding Dong Ditch. For context, I have a sister who's a year younger than me, and my neighbor James was the same age as me. His older sister was 14 at the time, and she also played with us from time to time although I think she just wanted to hang out with my sister, whom she thought was cute. I was admittedly the biggest coward in the group. And to this day, my flight instinct is significantly stronger than my fight instinct, so I would never ring the doorbell, as I would always find a way to wiggle out of it. I always found watching it far more entertaining than doing it. On this particular afternoon, my cousins came over, one of my cousins was my age. The other was a few years younger than me and couldn't play with us. And the other was a year older than me. But everyone treated him like he was an adult, even though he was only 11. Or at least, that's how I perceived it. Let's call this cousin Daniel, as he's somewhat important to the story. I'm not a reliable narrator, and it's been almost 10 years since these events, but I'll really try my hardest to remember them. Anyways, 
My cousins came over, and we were banished outside to play. So we all decided that knock and run was a good idea. We usually just played around our immediate street, never venturing further than the next street over out of fear of getting lost in the copied and pasted suburban streets. We made our way up the street to the play park on the top of the hill. It sat where a house could have been, and someone could have cut across it onto the next road. As we sat on the play equipment, we decided that a vote should decide who knocked first. And of course, I was picked. I remember getting myself out of it and getting my older cousin to take my place. I'm very thankful that he was and is as proud as he is. It helped me get out of a lot of situations. We decided that our first target would be the fanciest looking house in the area. A white marble house with a fountain in the front yard and a curved driveway. I remember sitting next to a car. I was small enough to look under it from the curb and I had a clear view of my cousin sneaking up to the door and ringing the doorbell three times in order to get the attention of whoever was inside, and he then bolted down the pathway towards the street to hide behind the cars. But before he got to the fence, an older-looking man in a black leather apron with what I assumed was paint came sprinting after him. I immediately knew something was wrong. This wasn't the usual response to a knock and run. Sure, we've encountered some angry people before, but this was something very different. He practically flew down the walkway right towards Daniel and then threw his hand out to grab him. This didn't really feel like anything someone his age could do, and it scared the hell out of me. I think I might have been the only one with a clear view of what was going on, which meant that I was the first to see what was happening. It wasn't until the man was practically right on top of Daniel that he noticed that he was being chased and the scream he made when he realized it will always stick with me. As I said at the start of this, Daniel was and still is a very proud person who will always try to prove himself. So hearing this scream of pure terror really struck me at my core. Everyone was clued in at this point as to what was happening. Daniel didn't open the waist-high gate at the end of the path, he just jumped it, which I think ultimately saved him from getting hurt as the old man had to take a second to open it. Daniel was sprinting down the street as fast as I've ever seen him. Stop, you little shit! The man then shouted with a deep, angry voice, which did actually stop Daniel in his tracks. They were both standing in the middle of the road at this point, reminding me of an old western movie when two cowboys would be standing at either end of the main road. The man marched straight up into Daniel's face, and I could finally get a good look at him. His skin resembled rough leather, and a few strands of hair on his head had long since grayed. He was clean-shaven and was wearing white pants, a white button-up, and a black leather apron that had what I rationalized as red paint on it. After he was maybe half a foot away from Daniel, he started to berate him, and I could only make out the words, There's sick people in there. Everything about this man threw me off and I could see my neighbor and my other cousin who was hiding in the bushes felt the same way. My neighbor's older sister, who I'll call Tay, screamed out at him from the other side of the road, which then gave Daniel the opportunity to run as fast as he could away from this man. Then the rest of us started running at that point as well. I don't think I or anyone else knew where we were running off to, but I found myself in the car park of the shopping center right across the road from me. 
I waited there for maybe about 30 minutes, just watching cars come in and out, feeling safer with the large group of people. I had no idea at the time if he had chased one of us, but I knew that I was safe. I made my way back to my house, and I found that I was the last one to return. My cousin Daniel had ran straight home, and Tay followed him. My other cousin and neighbor ran around the suburbs for a bit before deciding to go home. My mom was missing when I got home, and I realized that she had been told what happened. My mother is someone who isn't afraid of protecting her own, and she's one of the strongest people I know. So I felt pretty safe that she was aware and was off telling him to fuck off. But when she got back, she seemed off. She didn't want to talk about what happened or really anything, and any color from her face had been completely drained. We ended up sleeping at my neighbor's house that night because my mom wanted to talk to my dad about something serious, and I think we all knew what it was about. Nothing else had happened for a while after that. Not for a while, but my mom was a lot more protective of what we did outside. We were no longer allowed to play knock and run or go up the road without a parent. It really bugged my sister who loved to play outside, but I just don't think she fully understood what happened. I have a lot more stories about this guy, and I'll probably write more because this has really helped me get a better grip on everything that happened throughout that year. But I hope you all enjoy the very first event in one of the worst periods of my life. This happened a couple of years ago. I'm a 26-year-old female, and I was walking my dog named Indy in my local field. It was dark, but it wasn't late, and it was wintertime in the UK, so maybe about 6 p.m. The field is mainly used for rugby and football, but is completely free to walk through whatever. It's also surrounded by houses and streetlights on the roads, but the field itself is dark. So I had brought a torch with me, mainly so I didn't trot in any dog shit. I had come in one entrance of the field, and I'm following a path that leads to another exit and entrance. I used the field to make a loop back onto the road and then back to my house, giving my dog some off-lead time whilst in the field. Anyways, as I'm walking up the field, I noticed a figure walking the exit slash entrance that I was going to use to leave. I keep my eye on this figure as they have very darn clothing on and their hood up. I'm shining my torch as I'm walking, so I know this person knows that I'm there as it's very obvious. At first, I wasn't that nervous, more so being vigilant. Indy is a wonderful German Shepherd, so as you can imagine, I feel pretty safe with her. It wasn't until I saw the person dug down behind a bush and tree that I then absolutely froze. I also want to mention that there's a lot of new trees and bushes planted sporadically up the part of the field that isn't used for sports. Anyway, I was about 200 feet from the exit, but I would have to walk past the bush that they hid behind to get to it. I call Indy over, and I get her back on the lead so she's close. By this point, she's also hyper alert due to the person behind the bush. With that... I hear a weird high-pitched voice that sounded like they were saying my dog's name. I assumed they heard me call her. They said it like three to four times in this long-doubt high-pitched voice. It's clearly coming from the person hiding in the bush. 
Luckily for me, Indy wasn't reacting to it, as it probably barely sounded like her name to her. I had a small moment of, shall I fight or flight? Either I won, run past the bush and try to make it for the exit. Two, turn around and run back into the dark field and make for the other exit, which is a lot further away. Or three, confront this motherfucker. Indy at this point just hackles up, ears up, and very alert in front of me, all while still maintaining a wonderful sense of calm. I went with number three. I confronted the motherfucker. I mustered up every bit of courage and confidence I had, and then shouted at the top of my voice, What the fuck are you doing? The hooded man then came out from the bush very quickly without even saying anything, and I said the same thing again. What the fuck are you doing trying to scare a young woman? What the hell's the matter with you? I'm so glad that my voice didn't shake or break when I said it, as I really was terrified at this point. The man started to stutter and then said, Oh, sorry. I thought you were someone I knew. I then answered back with, Yeah? Well, who the fuck hides from someone they think they know in a dark field? After that happened, he apologized a couple of times and continued to skulk down the rest of the field, and I made for a swift exit with Indy. God only knows what his intentions were. Maybe he thought I had a smaller dog and was going to try and attack me. Maybe he saw Indy and realized that there was no chance, or maybe he really did think I was someone he knew. Whatever it was, it was really weird and scary. I'm in university right now, but I'm staying with my parents at their house for the summer. I was hanging out with one of my friends and we decided to go to a party. I met this guy around my age. We were talking and having some fun, but was nothing too serious, or so I thought. We then exchanged phone numbers. We hung out a couple of times, but he became incredibly clingy right from the start so I decided to distance myself in the hope that he would get the hint and back off. Well, he didn't. When I stopped responding, he sent me over 100 messages, with each message becoming increasingly more aggressive as time went on. Keep in mind, it had been less than two weeks since we first met. I finally responded, and I told him he needed to chill out. He appeared to calm down a bit after I responded, but then he asked for a phone call. I agreed and we talked for a while. He told me that he couldn't stop thinking about me, that I was the best thing that ever happened to him. Just a bunch of stuff that is way too intense to say to someone you barely know. I tried to let him down gently, reminding him that I was only home for the summer and I wasn't really looking for anything serious beyond a flink. But this only made him angrier. He started yelling at me, insulting me, and calling me a slut. Basically a complete 180 from what he had been saying mere minutes ago. Then all of a sudden, the phone went silent. After a pause, he then said in a quiet voice, Bitch, you had better get ready, because I'm coming over for you. And he hung up the phone. This was very frightening because he knew that my parents were out of town for the week, and that I was staying at their house all alone. However, he didn't know where my parents' house was because I was always the one driving, and he didn't know my friend either, so I thought that he had no way of figuring it out, since again, I'm normally living at school in another state. 
Regardless, I locked all of the doors and shut the blinds just in case. After a while, maybe an hour or so, I fell asleep. When I woke up, I looked at my phone and I saw a notification on my lock screen. It was from the Ring app, indicating there had been movement on my parents' camera. It was him. If you watch the video that should be on screen now, you can clearly see something in his hand. When he notices the camera, however, he left. I immediately blocked him on everything and reported the incident. I have no idea what he planned to do once he got there. It was terrifying to realize that he had come over when I was asleep and defenseless and completely unaware of his presence. As I would later find out, he was able to get my address from my phone number. Apparently he googled it and it returned my dad's name as the owner of the phone number along with my parents' address. Since I'm on my parents' phone plan, I guess it shows up that I still live here. This revelation was fucking horrifying, as I never knew my phone number could reveal my home address. I'm still extremely upset that this kind of private information is on the internet for anyone to find, as it's incredibly dangerous that websites would just give away this info to anyone. Please learn from my mistakes, and don't give anyone your phone number unless you truly trust them. I found out that you can get a free Google voice number to text and call people, and that that number can be traced back to you so easily. My advice is to use a disposable number for anyone you're talking to that you meet informally or online. I still can't sleep properly at night. Hopefully this never happens to anyone else. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night, everyone. And remember, to always... <laughs>